Hey now, hey now, good morning, welcome to the Coffee Schmooze, I'm your host, David Phillips. It was a, it was a wild day two days ago. Two days ago was a wild day. New York is in the midst of winter, this means 30 degree days back to back to back to back. And then out of nowhere we got a 70 degree day. It was 70 degrees. And um, I don't know if that was cause for celebration. In my circumstance, it certainly wasn't. I live in a building, and you know, an old New York building, where they provide the landlord, the super, whatever, they provide heat for the entire building. They keep the heat on all the way through May. And while we tenants have the ability to turn on and turn off the heat as it comes into our apartment, they're still pumping heat through the building. So the wall, so in the corridors, it's fucking hot. And then, you know, it's just the building's hot. It's a hot building. And this heat is for... 30 degree days so on the 70 degree days it was a fucking sauna in there it was a sauna and I you know I like I went a little crazy it was too hot but I'm so conditioned to working from home that like I can't work at a car co- I can't work at a coffee shop I can't do it it's way too vulnerable I feel way too exposed You know, I can't be completely free in my process at a coffee shop. I'm way too vulnerable. I need to be in my cave where I'm protected. So, you know, I reached out to the super and I used some legalese. I said, look, if you have the heat on full blast on a winter day, this is not habitable. It's not habitable. And she said, well, we have to. It's going to get cold again. Just open up the windows. Turn the heat off in your room and open up the windows. She just said, deal with it, punk. And so I did. I just put my legs, put my tail between my legs and just dealt with it like a little bitch. Um, you know, no one wants to get in. A, no one wants to get in a fight with a landlord. It's not a healthy thing. But sometimes it's nice to just pop them. Like, I didn't I didn't want to go full fight. It's cold again. She was right. Last year, they had the heat on until June. That was crazy. But I just popped them. And then, you know, I was outside, and I was seeing all the tenants, and I was complaining. I was complaining with them. I was like, this is ridiculous, and we're all going through the same thing. I talked to four different people, and we were all just dying in there. And then one guy, Dave, he's this cool guy, older New Yorker, been here for like forever. He was like, man, why can't they just regulate it? You know, like, why does it have to be so hot and then or nothing at all? What's the deal with that? I don't know. It's it's not really the cross I want to die on. It's not my cross to bear. It's not the sword I want to die on. It's not the hill I want to die on. It's just not, but it, but it was, 
it was crazy. It, it was crazy. And then I was worried about my cat because he became lethargic in the heat. And then I started to get scared. It, it made me really sad and scared. I was like, holy shit. Moi- I was I was afraid Moisha was going to die, which is a totally illogical fear. But that's what I was going through because I was so hot. I was walking around, no shirt, shorts, windows open. I was frantically scrubbing paint off the floors of my apartment and I was just looking at Moisha and he was all lethargic and different and I was like holy fuck like don't die on me Moisha don't die so I kept pouring water on him (laughs) I kept throwing water on him or when he would try to sleep I would just like I kept kicking him to make sure that he was awake it was a full-on mental it, it the heat drove me a little cuckoo. I wouldn't say it was a mental break. I didn't break mentally. Um but I wasn't I was very unhappy with the heat situation. Because this room, this room I live in is all I have. This is this is every this is what I have. This is all I have. You know, this is my life is in this room. I live in New York City, but the majority of hours of my life are in this room with this cat, this good Jewish cat. And so when it gets fucked up, that's it. It, that, it fucks me up. It fucks me up. This is my cave. This is my safe space. They fucked it up. So. So it's cold now, but, you know, global warm. I mean, it's like on top of it all, global warming. You know, the news cycle. The news cycle is pretty rough these days. It's, you know, it's you're, you're seeing, you know, the war in Ukraine, very sad, very this ominous feeling of a big, big world war to come. Then there's global warming, all the reports that like we're really closing on the window to be able to do anything to save this thing. Like we're really fucking up. And it kind of feels like the world is, you know, this is the end. We're in the end. Right now, this is the end. This is the last chapter. But I like to take a glass half full approach in, uh, in my life. I like to take a glass half full approach. And like... In high school, we had to read these books, um, Brave New World by George Orwell. No, Brave New World by Otis Huxley and 1984 by George Orwell. These guys are dystopian authors, right? They were predicting what the future of the world would be like. And they said that the world, in the world, we'd be living under a totalitarian government. And this totalitarian government would keep its um, constituents or its people in control using fear. And one of the fear tactics would be to pump a 24-hour news cycle of just harsh images of death and destruction and the world ending to control its people in fear. So when I look at the news today, I think to myself, hey, maybe we're just living under a totalitarian government. And that's not so bad. You can do it. 
I would rather live under a totalitarian government than the world ending. You know, what you I think the hardest thing I would have with the totalitarian government is uh freedom of expression. That's what I do, that's what I wouldn't like. I wouldn't like to be in a society where you don't have the freedom to express yourself artistically. I I couldn't deal with that. But like for some fucking guy who just like, you know, doesn't is isn't artistically inclined and you know just likes to like go to work and like sell sell fucking washing machines and then go to the gym and lift weights and then go home and eat dinner with his girlfriend and watch Netflix like what's the difference between now and a totalitarian government You know, what's the fucking difference? But for the artists, for the artists of the world, it would be a damn shame. A damn shame and almost something you'd have to wonder is it worth rebelling against, you know. Could you live in the day-to-day suffering of not being able to create you probably could. I mean, you could write in a journal and with the hope that one day when it's all turned to dust, someone will read the journal and maybe get something from it. There's a lot of options. There's a lot of options. I'm not a kamikaze type guy. I'm, I like to explore all other options before going on the kamikaze mission. It's just not my thing. So, last week I produced my first comedy show. And it was really, really fun. It was a very stressful experience leading up to it because I was worried if anybody was going to come. I was worried that there would just be four people in the audience. But, with some good luck... There were about 40 people in the audience. It was jumping. It was just jumping. I mean, granted, about 15 of them were from my improv class. But they stuck around and supported, which was cool as shit. They didn't have to. They didn't have to, but they did. That was fucking cool. We had our improv show before the stand-up show. The improv people stuck around. I was like, that's love, man. That's some dope. That's dope. And then the other half of the people was a split between people I knew that I just hit up over social media and reached out and asked for them to come. And then random people who found the venue just off the internet. And it was so much fun. It was so much fucking fun. I was drinking beer the entire night the starting show i uh you know was pumping up playing rap music my favorite rap music and then i went up and did the first set and i got laughs which was good and then i just introduced every comic and every comic i booked just killed and like their sets and identities and essences built off each other and um everyone was just 
great. And then it was an after party, and it was a wonderful, wonderful after party. I was riding such a high. It was so much fun. I sold paintings. I sold four paintings after the show. It was really an orgasmic evening. It was really a peaking, beautiful glowing of light. And then I looked I looked at the the video of of my set and I was like, man, I was really like my eyes were like pretty much closed the whole time. I was like kind of caved in and it wasn't my usual energy. Like my usual energy when I'm doing stand up is like you come at the audience. You know, you like you 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 bringing it to them. You know, you're engaging, you're charging at them. And I was all caved in, hiding almost. And I was I got really fucked up over that. I was like, "Man, I like you know, I didn't I, I was like, "Damn, like that's not me." I was like, "That wasn't me on stage, the hiding. I was hiding." What the fuck is that about? Why the fuck was I hiding? But then I realized I had never performed stand-up in front of people I knew. And basically, three three quarters of the audience were against people I knew. Plus, my girlfriend, who was formerly my ex-girlfriend, but now she's my girlfriend again, she was at the show. And a lot of the jokes are about our relationship and breaking up. So it's like... Going from zero to 100 real quick. I had never done stand-up in such a vulnerable capacity. Usually, I'm doing it with strangers, which is like you gives you this shield of protection being like, I don't fucking know you. I don't fucking know you, and you don't fucking know me, okay? We don't fucking know each other, so fuck off, you know, has that energy. It's like, hey, you can go fuck yourself. I don't know you. What the fuck is your problem? You know? But then I was literally performing stand-up in front of a room of people I know. Just terrible. Just, it's really hard to do. It's not easy. And I crumb. I didn't, I didn't crumble. The joke still worked. The essence was still there. But I, my, my energy wasn't of the, like, aggressive coming at the audience like I wasn't open I was closed so that was disappointing but if that but you know nothing's perfect and it was an otherwise perfect night and you don't learn from anything unless you get stung a little bit so that was the sting but but that was the rose but the I mean it was like it was still one of the top nights in my life it was so much fucking fun all the comics killed. The audience was jumping. Got to sell some paintings after. Got a host, which is nice. You go up in the middle and you say some things and you introduce the next comic. And supposedly my show, I made a little money on the show too, which is nice. Because like you got to, they make it really hard for you to make money. The venue. They, they really, they really take, take it from you. So, so overall it was a very successful good night. And I am right now kind of just thinking, I, I think I want to do another, but I'm just trying to, you know, it's, it's, it was just the first, it was such, it was such a banger, you know, it was such a banger. I don't know, like, I, I don't know if I could handle, handle doing it any less. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know. I'm trying to focus my energy. I'm trying to focus my energy on the writing and painting. But, you know, but the, but the, you know, comedy for all of its bullshit and for all of the work and how for all shitty it is, we, it's, it's the one art form that's completely in the present. You know, comedy doesn't really translate on live specials. It doesn't really translate over audio and it doesn't really last the the test of time you know what's funny in the 90s isn't going to be what's funny today so but that's what but like when you're in the moment when you're there and it's just happening and like you don't remember the words but you really remember the way the comic made you feel the essence and the power that they give you it's a cool experience. It's like a re- it's it is a lot like being on a wave. It gets you it brings you very much to the present and that gives it addicting quality. And it teaches you a lot about yourself in the sense where it's like you you do a set and then you see yourself hiding. You see yourself you know blocking up over vulnerability and you're like, "Oh fucking shit. That's like that's something I need to work on." And that's right in my fucking face. So comedy, I mean, I was talking, I was talking to a comic on a show, an OG, she's amazing, Irene Morales, sweet, sweet, sweet person, has been such a, such a good person to me um, since I've come to New York, she's just really an angel, and I was telling her, I was like, look, I was like, I like, I booked this room when I was really high on comedy. And then I was like, no, I'm going to fucking quit. I was like, then I was like, I'm going to quit comedy. And then the room booked me and I was like, well, fuck, like I gotta, I gotta go do, you know, I got, it's like, I can't say no. I asked, I can't say no. And she said, even she's like, every comic feels this way, David. She's like, she opens for a professional comic. Jessica Kirsten, who has like gets books, clubs all over the city. She's like a real comedian. And um, Irene says she even wants to quit comedy all the time. Something about comedy. It's just you always want to quit it. So it's a good teacher. It's a good teacher, but it is um it's highs and lows, baby. It's the it's highs and lows. It's, but it's it's you know, it's just one it's a good it's a good art form. It's a dirty fucking medium, but, um, you know, the struggle continues, you know, the struggle, the struggle, the struggle continues. The redefining of the relationship continues, but, um, you know, everything else is going good. The writing's going good. The paintings are going good. My health is good. Um, my diet sucks, but I've started to work out. So that's canceling it, but I need to, I need discipline. You know, it's like Siddhartha said, you know, you can survive if you can, if you can wait, if you can think, and if you can fast. And I, I can certainly fucking wait and I'm, I can fucking think, but fasting, I don't, I'm not much of a faster. I like to eat. So, so that's the story. That's the story. You know, I have a girlfriend, very nice. Dating Isabella Levere again. Go look her up. Go ask somebody. Um, it's a nice, it's a nice thing. Very happy about it. And uh, you know, same old thing. 
30-year-old Jewish studio apartment, writing and painting, doing podcasts, doing a little stand-up. You know, live the, the world's in a precarious situation, but, but I'm living my life, and I'm enjoying it. I feel very good. So thank you very much. Goodbye.